0: I just can't see myself being like yeah i'll, I'll pay 10 bucks a month to, to have instagram i just think that's it just doesn't make any sense to me like why would we? we're back episode 15 Who's Doc. the guest, Malik? Who's the, best? Who's the guest? There's no guest this time. There's
1: oh,
0: no guest. guest. No guests, guests, guests. This is, uh, we haven't had one of these in a while, but I'm, I'm stoked. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. Yeah, we haven't, uh, it's been maybe over 10 episodes since we've had, just me and you, I think.
0: Yeah, we, we got, uh, got a lot to say on this episode, that's for A sure. lot to say.
1: Yeah, this is good when we just want to, like, riff off on, you know, topics happening right now, just kind of, like, Covering everything, you know, and it's just me and me we can just bounce off of that stuff really fast.
0: No, exactly. It's, uh, let's get right into it. So I think that the, the overall sentiment and feeling now is I think, and I don't know about what it's like for you, but for mm-hmm. me, I think that people are now sort of coming to terms with the fact that COVID is something that's definitely lasted a lot longer than uh, I think a lot of people anticipated from the very beginning. So yeah, it's kind of interesting sure. to see you know how people's mindsets have shifted a little bit from you know when we first went into lockdown where we're where we're at now sorry and then where we're going kind of thing so it's kind of interesting to see how many places are starting to like reopen and uh starting to advertise that way and i just i don't know i wanted your thoughts on sort of like what people are calling the new normal i think that term is just so overused by the way i know yeah
1: i remember <laughs> saying it i remember saying like i had never heard it before but i m- remember just saying it in a meeting like a couple months ago and i'm like Oh, I kind of like that—the new normal—and then I just see it everywhere, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not smart at all for thinking of that." Everyone's <laughs> no. saying
0: the same thing. <laughs> when it, like when you think about it, like that term like, was like coined, let's say, when COVID first kicked off, and like we didn't even know what the the new normal was yet. And I don't yeah, yeah. think we will do. I think there's things that are changing every single day. And like I know when we were talking about the unprecedented times and all that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. when we were in the lockdown you know we started talking about the new normal like we knew what the future held like we don't know what that looks like i think things are changing constantly and you know for me personally i've kind of come to the terms like i was saying before with the fact that you know the next 6 months are going to be um, not what i thought they were going to be but i think mm-hmm. that the overall sort of experience you know working in covid and you know working from home and having companies like start to, you know, explore like a, an advancement on their work from home policy, I think is just things that, you know, as workers were, you know, beginning to accept, but it's kind of interesting. Like what the, from a consumer standpoint, like what's that experience
1: like, you know, yeah, like, I can, I can only um, speak to just me personally, but it feels like the city is back to normal almost The few yeah. times that I go downtown. Like I went shopping for the first time in since i want to say february just going to like the eaton center and and different retail shops like downtown and seeing what that experience is like and i think what i see as a new normal is we'll still be able to do all that stuff but you just add on a mask and a lot of hand sanitizer like that's that's what it felt like like the numbers weren't any lower than pre-COVID, it's just that everyone was still there. It's just that there's a limit of how many people can be in the store at once. So there's kind of like a security guard almost out there. Um, You have to have hand sanitizer before you go in and masks are required everywhere indoors. So it's like just getting used to that experience of having a a mask on with all the activities that you do, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy too, right? Like, I just feel that brands are probably at this point they're mm-hmm. probably coming out with advertising that's focused around making consumers feel like that sense of normality for sure. But at yeah. safety, you know, it was a big thing. Like every ad that I see like now has people wearing masks. Like they're talking about, you know, all like the safety measures that they're doing. Like I saw a subway ad like the other day pop up oh, my yeah. app, and it was just like, Show the hand washing. Show the the plexiglass, all that kind of stuff. Like I get it. I think that's like you kind of smiling.
1: The force smiling through the mask.
0: Yeah, Yeah, through the mask and everything. But like you know, I think it's legit. I think that you know, as we talk about what the new normal is, and you know how brands communicate, I think a lot of them are probably like a lot of big brands are are that. I'll clarify a lot of brands that like were traditionally like restaurants or retail stores or anything like that, like where you actually physically have to go in somewhere and get it are probably like, you know, those are the things that you have to communicate because how do you advertise in this era? You don't really know because then you're going to get people like if you're not showing that stuff, you know, you're risking people being, well, I don't think that it's it's safe to go in here because personally for me to act I don't know, and like to hear you say that you went to uh, the Eaton Center the other day, even to me, like I still don't feel a hundred percent about like going in <laughs> places and going to stores and you know, buying clothes. I'm like, I definitely do need a new wardrobe. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, like inside, really. not really. Yeah, man. But it's like I, I don't know, I still feel it's kind of weird. And like again, not to make me represent you know, the, the average consumer. But I think a lot of people probably still feel the the, the same oh, for way. Sure. So I'll ask you this question. If you're a brand, what do you do to convince people like me who are not super comfortable, you know, going in to, to buy something from like a brick and mortar store type situation? How do you get me to go in?
1: You can't, I mean, like if someone's, Uh, worried about their safety Uh, even though you're following all the as a brand even though you're following all the guidelines suggested by your particular state or province or whatever it is some people are just not ready yet so if you're not offering other channels to like reach them in terms of delivery curbside pickup or or things of that nature there's there's only so much you can do you're not going to be able to capture everyone and change their mindset so a lot of this period right now for brands is is trying things out and waiting and kind of, you know, trying to see how things progress. There's only so much you can really do in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I think that, you know, when we talk about going to the stores and going to restaurants and stuff like that, mm-hmm. restaurants were a big
1: thing for me too. I, have you been any, like, have you been out at all? I've been to two restaurants so far. Uh, so patio experiences, obviously, um, yeah. And it still feels weird, I'll be honest. Like, I was talking to my friend that, you know, there's this kind of uh, duality where it's like part of me feels like I shouldn't be here because Mm -hmm. the server doesn't want to be there. You know, no one working at the restaurant probably wants to be working right now. But then the other part of me is like, this if I'm not here, this server is still going to be here. These people are still going to be working. At least yeah. I can be here and, and provide some business for this restaurant and provide, you know, obviously a large tip to, to help out with the serving staff. No, that's uh, Yeah, I think that's... I don't perfect. know where I sit, though. I'm like in the middle of which one's good, which one's bad. I kind of want to just speak to people working in restaurants now and just get a, a pulse check almost. Like, do you want me here or... Should I leave? Yeah, yeah, because I can leave. I can leave. I can can go.
0: (laughs) It's quite interesting because, like, when we talk about, about, you know, brands and their comms plans, talking about reopening and safety and all these type things, they're doing their best to convince consumers, like, to say, hey, uh, come back, please, to this restaurant because we need your business. But for me, you know, sitting inside a restaurant, like – Uh, and you know, enjoying the food and everything Uh, to me, it's a completely different experience when like the server is wearing a mask or like the restaurant and you have to sit so many feet apart for me, the biggest reason, you know, why I'm I'm not like dying to jump back into a restaurant. Don't get me wrong. Like I would love to have somebody else make me dinner because I've (sighs) been, been, I've been cooking a lot for myself recently, but, um, I just feel like the experience of going into sort of like a brick and mortar location to take, you know, whether it's, you know, food or it's retail or anything like that, this still feels like the experience to me isn't, I'm not fulfilled by those um, experiences because it's just not the same as what I once knew. And like, when we talk about the new normal and all that, is this really what it's going to be like? Because I don't know if, I don't know if there's a future for me in, in, in that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying to you that I'm never going to walk into a store again because that's just, that just doesn't make any sense to me, but it's, it's still, I think going to take a long, long time for, you know, consumers to, you know, build up trust again and, and feel good. And it's not necessarily like, Oh, I don't trust Nike or I don't trust, you know, subway or any of this because they're not showing me this. I just feel like the general consensus amongst consumers is that, things shut down really quickly and things open back up really quickly too. And there's still like this weird uncertainty of, is it safe? Do I feel comfortable doing this? Is this the same like experience that I'm looking for from a place like this? I don't know. Just
1: something to throw out. Like, kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely noticing these retail stores. Like, Cause I, I was only in a few. So take this with a grain of salt, but I they're definitely erring on the side of caution, like almost yeah. too cautious, but I like that, you know, because They're limiting maybe like 15 people in in a small store and before you go in you have to like use the hand sanitizer do it in front of them then they give you this whole spiel as to how things are when you're in the store where you go to line up and you know really making sure they limit the flow of of traffic so no one's walking towards each other Mm -hmm. um so so that at first I was like this is like this is a lot this is a little annoying you know because I'm just not used to it but then you realize you know I'm glad you guys are airing on the side of Side of caution and you actually care you know what i mean i love that there's these things in place that are helping people feel a bit more safe even if you're uncomfortable at first you realize that it's for the greater good right so yeah i totally agree and i
0: remember when things started closing down and you know brands were communicating like this is what we're doing you know to keep you safe and whatever and i knew i noticed like an influx of, of people in comment sections and everything being like Wait a minute! You didn't do this before. Like this yeah, is just, yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> weird. Like, that makes that made me feel uncomfortable. So now maybe this is like the reset button, and now I think people are doing and brands are are doing these to like make up for maybe a lack of uh, safety precautions or health precautions. You know, before this whole thing started. I don't. know, Kind of interesting. I feel like mm-hmm. we went from a lot of advertising. COVID advertising is kinda interesting. I'd love to talk to you about this because I know <laughs> yeah. conversations about this like when this thing first kicked off. And kicked off sounds like a really bad way to, to say this, by <laughs> way. the you
1: way. Know, the best me, like, ad campaign of all time, COVID nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like
0: all the ads, like I remember someone put a mashup of all the COVID related ads, like from you know three or four months yeah. ago. And it was mm-hmm. all of, Like the you know the slow piano music, the black and white, the unprecedented times, like type narrative, and now I and they people got like they got roasted for that because it's like this is the same shit that everybody else is saying. Like, how can you possibly stand out? And maybe it's not a time of standing out. Maybe that's where I find like it's a a bit of a position maybe. But I just feel like now we're in like the second wave of of those type of ads where they're just like. I remember I saw, like, a cheap commercial or something that's like, we have, you know, miles to make up. We have, you know, it's just like, it's like, and like I just find it like, there's it, so much of that. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think I said this in one of the earlier episodes of the year, but, like, we had the unfortunate benefit from learning a lot about how brands communicate during a time like this. And mm-hmm. I think we just—they like, didn't really learn anything because now everything is just every ad is the exact same. Um, I, think just, I
1: think there's an idea of like not wanting to rock the boat a bit. Like I feel like it's a little hard to. Uh, I don't know. I guess we're asking for more creativity, but it's also hard to kind of maybe push those creative boundaries during a time where right. you know people are still dying. So it's like, let me just stick with the status quo and do what every other brand is doing i don't really want to push i don't want to stretch creatively yet you know i think we will see that but right now it's like let's just fall in line everyone say welcome back in a a different way pretty much
0: yeah you know i think that's a good point because maybe i'm being a little bit too critical and i think Mm -hmm. i think i definitely am because there's a purpose to all sort of brand columns that's going out right now and it's really just to communicate hey, we're back open, we're keeping things like, you're like the health precautions, safety precautions that we're doing. We want you to feel normal. Um, And whether or not that works on consumers is a completely different story. Like I was saying, things closed down really quickly, things opened up really quickly. And that, I think, is making a lot of people uneasy. But I think you're probably right that, you know, don't stand out for, like, the wrong reasons during a time like this. Maybe there's no reason to be... You know, overly creative when there's a much bigger, serious issue at hand. Because I think if we were to see a lot of creativity and stuff, I would probably be the first person to be like, oh, this is, you can't do this during this time. Like, I'm pretty hypocritical in a lot of these things. And for anyone listening, you probably picked up on it. But I don't know. I think you're probably, I think you got me on that one. But let's move on. So to I
1: No, before we move on, I have one more question for you. Are you comfortable traveling right now? So let me add a little bit to that, because I'm seeing a lot of, you know, with these welcome back advertising, I'm seeing some destinations that are now open again for their borders, like uh, Bahamas and different um, countries in the Caribbean are now saying, you know, hey, you can come here because it's it's pretty much relatively safe. Are you are you with that? Are you still kind of not so sure about it? What do you think? Uh, I mean, as much as I would love to go to the Bahamas right now,
0: (laughs) uh, I don't know if I feel super comfortable, but like traveling right now, because one, I'd have to do a lot of research into like the state of, you know, whatever country or province, wherever I'm going. Yeah. Like, I think that'll play a large factor in it, too. I think like airplanes kind of weird me out a little bit, too. Like, I haven't even been inside an Uber or anything yet. So no. No, and I just feel, like, a little bit strange about, like, sitting in another seat that somebody else would have. Even though, like, they're probably doing all the safety thing. Well, they're definitely doing it because it's, like, government-based. It, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I I love the idea of traveling. I just think that, like, I'm not 100% convinced that we're not going to be hitting a second wave. And, like, I don't want to be trapped anywhere either if something, like, goes down. If I'm oh, leaving, yeah like a few weeks you know what i mean
1: yeah i think i'm with you on that in terms of i'm still uh not so sure about it and it's not so much about the destination because i think obviously in the bahamas they are very low in terms of cases in in the caribbean but i think it's the airport that scares me because you have people coming and going and you don't know where they came from where they're going and that's the problem for me it's just the airport if i could snap my fingers and, and be in a different country i would do it but The process getting there is uh, a nightmare. Yeah, like, it it just feels kind of weird to me still because it's like, those are one of those things
0: where, like, so many different people are, like, it's almost just like a, you know, public transportation, right? Yeah. Like, in the sense of you have a lot of people coming and going from different places, you don't really know what they're doing. Like, the airport can be as clean as it, you know, needs to be, but if you're not... If you as an individual aren't taking these things seriously, mm-hmm. and you're pulling up, and you you know don't wash your hands, or you're not using hand sanitizer, or wearing a mask, I'm pretty sure you have to wear a mask. But yeah, just it, it's just the thought of people sitting in places and touching things and all that kind of stuff before uh, you know getting on a flight or even being on a flight just kind of weirds me out. Like I think For that. Sure. Thing, I, I for me personally, I probably won't feel normal again or like feel comfortable. I should say until it's maybe like next summer. Like I, I want to like yeah. I,
1: whatever that looks like. Who knows, man? Like yeah.
0: Well, that's and that's a thing, right? Like I think that we need to be, you know, and maybe this is a, a natural segue into into our next topic. But mm-hmm. I just feel like. People are moving around so much that, you know, I think a lot of agencies and a lot of like places where, you know, you don't necessarily need to be in a physical space. I think that we're probably gonna be seeing much more of this into twenty twenty one. Like I was talking to you know, someone who said that they probably won't be going back into their office until like maybe like March or April next year. Depending mm-hmm. on the is like. And I think that's like kind of legit like if you don't need to be somewhere physically i don't think that i think that we should be doing our part and be responsible and maybe this is a question for you know uh agency leaders or you know you know bigger companies at least to yeah. say that maybe we don't need to actually physically have people in this space because that's like they're them doing their part of keeping people safe and not spreading this thing causing a second wave because i think that like you were saying before at the beginning of this, that things kind of feel back to normal again or back to how they used to be. And I think we're just bound for a second wave. So anything that we can do to sort of mitigate that and make sure that we're staying, you know at home or you know staying in like a, a comfortable space and maybe like limiting your bubble to maybe like five people or ten people yeah I think we just need to you know we'll, we'll be seeing much more of this like do you think there's ever gonna be like a typical advertising agency type experience ever again? that's a legitimate question that
1: I've been having I haven't asked myself yeah, I think this yeah hmm. I definitely think um our obsession with open concept is over, yeah, you know like I think the the idea of. Uh, yeah, I think I don't, I'm not saying we're going to go back to like cubicles and stuff like that, but I think there's just going to be more separation between desks and maybe, um, dividers of some sort to allow people that, cause you have to think that some people have been working from home for four months and they can't wait to get back cause they want that interaction. There's other people that have been working from home for so long and they're still, on the edge. So they might be in an office, but they don't want people beside them. They don't want people coming right up to them and, and tapping them on the shoulder and being able to talk to them that easily. Um, and obviously we don't all have closed door offices in in these companies. So I think there's just going to need to be more separation, more distinction as to like, if you can go up to someone right away and then tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, I have this idea. It's like, I don't think that's really going to be that cool anymore you know i think it's going to be more normal to be sitting in the same room as someone and then messaging them, messaging them through email in order to talk to them rather than going up and and speaking to them face to face yeah which, is, which begs the question of like
0: what do big companies do? like what do what do like banks do downtown toronto like you have hundreds of employees like you know what i mean like yeah. if if we're going to be spaced out that much, like what does that mean from like a real estate standpoint? Like, do you build new buildings? Do you limit the amount of people in buildings the whole time? And then, you know, rotate people like by the day kind of thing to answer their question. I don't know if there's ever going to be a typical agency experience again. Like, do you remember a few years ago, like when we first started and it was just like, that was the coolest part. Like that was like the sweetest part about, you know the industry was like the 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 85 the office like seeing people you know the parties even a lot of the time like it was fun man and i think that now now that like things are aren't going to be that way anymore it'll be interesting to see some of the fallout of like maybe people like don't enjoy advertising as much as they thought they would and i'm only speaking from like a like if someone was like an intern or something like that because i think the the thought of starting a new job or a position right now where you're yeah, like the interview is, is just such a strange thought. Like it's it's strange because, I, you know, I've had friends who um, have moved on to other agencies and they've never even like really met the people that they're working with on a day to day basis. Like they're just uh, a face on a screen. And, you know, it, it just seems like so, so bizarre to me. And it's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, I'm curious because even like if if you think back to your first year as like an account coordinator, I needed that like experience where I could just go up to the account executive or the account manager and just like sit beside them and watch them build a BCR (laughs) or something like that, you know, watch them just like traffic things and be right beside them while they're doing it. And just being able to go up to, like, the next floor on the studio and tap people on the shoulder and just, like, ask questions in person and and build that connection to really do get at my job. So I'm wondering that person coming straight out of school, like, having everything on Zoom, I don't know. I I feel like I'm bothering people every time I hit them up, and I feel like just that learning is going to take longer to to be more comfortable in your position when when you're that junior. Mm -hmm. Well, and even thinking about,
0: you know, the something as simple as having a conversation with someone. Like you were saying, yeah. like, you know, you need that experience of just talking to someone and or watching someone and learning. Then uh-huh. you don't really have that anymore. And like tone can come across so differently in yeah. an email or a, a G chat or a Slack or whatever it is yeah. versus having an actual conversation. I think it's so it's gonna be so difficult for more junior people to to break into this industry and feel comfortable with it and feel good and feel like they're learning. It will be an interesting experience for agency leaders to help accommodate and make new, like a new hiring practice as seamless as possible. But I think at the end of the day, no matter how much you try and do that, mitigate it, it just won't, won't be
1: the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it really speaks to like what you mentioned earlier, the perks of like when you're, a lot of these agencies, they like to highlight, they have a, a cool office with dogs. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? like, we have a ping pong table and we have beer on tabs and all that. So I think now it's just gonna be like, how much do you support me working from home? Are you giving me, uh, you know, like an expensable uh, work from home office environment? Like, are you gonna pay for the, the, uh, the, the stand and the ergonomic chair that I have? Like, what is that new agency perk? going to be like that they're going to advertise you know i don't know what it is but i know it's like what. ping pong tables doc like what do we do yeah. <laughs> we'll play virtual virtual ping pong we'll play pong <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. it's kind of interesting we've been on covid for a while but let's yeah. here's let's talk a little bit about the newest um Instagram, Instagram Reels. Is it, is, it, is it platform the right word for it but or add-on addition to Instagram? Anyways, Instagram Reels.
1: So this is relatively new. Like, what Maybe, do you know? Yeah, yeah it came out uh, I think a week ago. And the timing is obviously really interesting because we're seeing a lot of the news about, you know, Trump putting on a, a ban, uh, a U.S. ban for TikTok if they don't sell the company to um, – if they don't sell the company to the US pretty much like a US company if they don't get acquired mm-hmm. and then Instagram Reels comes through and I'm like I wonder if they like somehow knew this was coming and then timed that launch or if it's just all a coincidence I don't know but it's basically a rip off of TikTok um another one of those kind of platforms where you can just scroll and watch funny videos pretty much the interface looks exactly the same as TikTok which mm-hmm. is like <laughs> they spent a lot of time building that one guys you know and it's yeah. funny because tiktok actually poked fun at it they like retweeted the announcement and they're like oh this looks familiar and Fair. then <laughs> it's funny because yeah. a new version of vine which is called bite they then retweeted that tiktok thing and they said oh similar to when you copied vine huh and it's like oh, so- <laughs> oh yeah because we forget that obviously vine was the first one here and then tiktok kind of took that and and enhanced it, and then now you have Instagram reels that hasn't enhanced TikTok. they've just copied it with kind of less features. Um, but they're also new. so I'm curious, do you think there's like a lane for Instagram reels or is TikTok I, don't know. Too big? I think I think
0: from my personal opinion, I think TikTok is already blown up. I think it's yeah. huge. The only way that it would be stopped is if it got banned like because of the privacy thing. Yeah. Very loosely. Uh, but remember, remember a couple of years ago when Instagram started doing the like filters and stuff like that? And then we were like, oh, Snapchat is like definitely screwed now. Like, they're yeah. People still use Snapchat quite a bit. So I don't think that if we're using the same comparison from, you know, Instagram Reels to TikTok, I think TikTok is the OG in this situation. Right, and I don't think anyone is gonna like move from using TikTok to using Instagram Reels unless they're forced to. And even then, I don't even know if um, I don't even know if it'll take off. But I think it's kind of interesting the whole privacy versus I don't know what I'm saying geopolitics. I think TikTok, like the whole thing about TikTok being banned in the United States, and like to be honest, like I haven't been following it enough to know that if it is or not. I still use TikTok all the time, and there is content that's being put out. But or you do use it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got TikTok. I got TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, because um, it was on like a media plan or something, or like yeah, yeah, course, of course. Okay, I should probably know a little bit about it. And then I got hooked, and yeah, I'm on it now. Whatever, get over it. <laughs> um, it's just like I don't know. It's kind of interesting because they're using the whole privacy thing is like a uh A hitch to be like, oh well, we're gonna ban this because China is gonna steal our data. When from my own opinion and perspective, like it's no different than the same information that we give to Mark. bullshit. Right? It's bullshit. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like it's just a matter of like a different country, you know, taking your information versus your own. Regardless, my information is out there and going to be sold and used, you know, for advertising purposes or marketing, whatever it is. So I I don't know. It's people say it's privacy. I maybe it's like a geopolitics war. It's kind of interesting. But um, what do you think about
1: that? Do you you use TikTok? No, I don't. But um, I think that they are fundamentally different in in what they provide in terms of Instagram Reels and, and TikTok. So. Well, my understanding of TikTok and and kind of just what I've read and and what I've seen online is that, you know, it's purely just kind of like lighthearted entertainment. There's nothing serious for the most part. They don't even have political ads or anything of that nature. Instagram is more of like this photo sharing platform at its core and feels more personal and less less bubbly. Mm -hmm. Uh, If that makes sense, you know, like TikTok, people aren't being that personal or just kind of, hopping on dance trends and making funny jokes and things like that but when you go on someone's Instagram profile it's like you do kind of get a sense of of who they who they are or who they want to present themselves to be so Mm -hmm. I don't know it just feels a little weird having the Instagram reels on the same platform I'm curious why they didn't do like a separate app uh I dug into that a bit deeper and Facebook actually tried one it was called lasso Uh, they tried it earlier this year and they just couldn't get the users up so they actually got rid of it and then a month later instagram reels comes up so maybe they thought you know last let's why why start with a brand new name and let's like attach something to instagram and see if it it clicks Mm -hmm. because they're able to kind of force the amount of users on you because instagram is already so high so if they just incorporate it into the same app maybe that fixes the numbers a bit but um, yeah, I don't know. I think they just cater to different audiences at yeah. the moment. I think it's a smart
0: way to look at it too because it's like, like you're saying, Instagram is completely different. Like it's a, Instagram Reels is an add-on essentially. of yeah. like Instagram is, which is to your point, like more personal because you're you're sharing content primarily coming from you uh-huh. or images coming from you. And like, that's what the whole platform is built off of. But Instagram Reels is just like a different way of like, or it's like TikTok alt that they're just like doing to, I don't know, compete against them. It's just kind of interesting because there's no, there's not a lot of like personable type content, at least that I've seen on TikTok. Like it's mostly just like Vine 2.0 and like, there's like a lot of like, a lot of weird stuff on there. I think the algorithm is like really intense, Uh Um, but we'll see. Have you used Instagram Reels yet? No, but like I'm gonna use it like after this because like I definitely want to see what it's about.
1: But so it's one like- thing you'll one thing you'll notice is that uh, you're gonna see a lot of TikTok creators on Instagram Reels. And I was reading an article that Facebook Inc. is paying them a lot of these top TikTok creators to like move over to Instagram Reels and produce content there. Mm-hmm. So I think they're gonna do as much as they can to try to you know pull that audience over. We'll see if it works, but it's definitely a strategy for one of the biggest companies in the world, right? 100%.
0: I think it's kind of interesting because it's like, you remember, I don't know, like, I feel like the demographic and the type of people on TikTok are like, like the TikTok, I'm going to call them TikTok loyalists here. (laughs) throw a strategy term, target demo at you. But I, I think that they'll have a hard time pulling people away from it because it's its own thing right like you can really like make it what it is you can make it whatever you want you know Mm what i mean and it was the same type of a feeling with vine like vine had such an interesting community and i think the tiktok community is is very similar in that like tiktok is theirs and they can create whatever they want with it with instagram girls i don't really know too much about it i haven't used it but i have a feeling that it's just like TikTok was like a breath of fresh air from you know content on Instagram because it was like a certain way, and TikTok I I just don't think those like two demographics like align, if that makes any sense. So it'll be interesting.
1: I, yeah, I think they. Sorry, go, go ahead. On. No, you go. I was ahead. gonna say I think they need to be separate. Like I was having this conversation on Twitter with some friends that Facebook just is known for doing too much on its platform. They're just trying to own everything that's social you know like if you even if you go on facebook.com right now they have they're a little bit of a kijiji they're a little bit of an indeed they have a little bit of tinder there they have messaging every they're offering everything and now you go on instagram and they're trying to offer everything too you still have igtv you have reels you have stories you have just a regular feed and it's like stop can you just like do one or two things really well and just leave it at that
0: Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. Like we've seen Facebook try and take on all this as a result of other platforms doing really well,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Copycat.
0: When you know, uh, you know, Twitter blew up. They took stuff from Twitter, and you know, when Instagram started, you know, being this way, they bought it. Like, yeah. (laughs) They're just trying to like absorb everything and just be like this massive like online conglomerate, which they are, which they already. are. But like that's what they do because they're just trying to like take as much as they possibly can. I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, most the stories, I think it'll be hard for – I don't think the demos for Instagram. Um, I'm talking Instagram as a whole, so including Facebook, Instagram, yeah. everything. I just don't think that the same demo is the same one on uh, TikTok. And I think it'll be hard for them to, to pull people away from that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: I don't know. It's kind of interesting.
1: Cool, but, but staying on the kind of social media topic, um, I was reading this article about Jack Dorsey, so the Twitter CEO, he's mentioning they're in the early stages of testing out a subscription model for, for aspects of Twitter. So being able to pay to to access certain content on Twitter. Uh, I don't know what that looks like yet. He said it's very early stages, but I'm curious, you know, would you ever, could you ever see yourself paying to use parts of social media?
0: Yeah, it, I I feel like we've had this like I've had this conversation for like ten years now. I you know right? they always kind of bring it up. Yeah, I remember the memes like back in the day, like in the two thousand nine days of uh, this was even something that came up in like the MSN days. It's like remember those like memes where it'd be like they're now charging for <laughs> for like, MSN if you share this or put this as your yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing like that. Kind of stuff. It's like I feel yeah. like. You know, in the last 15 years, um, we've gotten used to not paying for anything. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Free. So here's why I would say I wouldn't pay for social media. Because social media to me, um, a lot of is about, a, a lot of the time for me at least, is about what you make of it and what you're creating the content. Right? Like you're the one posting the statuses, you're the one uploading the pictures, you're the one liking pictures, you're sharing content, you're doing all this stuff on these on these platforms that's created by other people. You're not consuming content that was created by Facebook. You're saying that Facebook is the service and it's the platform that's allowing all these people to create whatever they want. So if mm-hmm. you're asking me to consume to pay for content on Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, just to access the same content that other people are creating. I think that's just a bit of like an unrealistic precedent that any of these companies are, you know, should be taking on. I think it's, I think it's unrealistic because it's, it's all for me, it's all about the content that one creates that puts out into the world. I'm not going to pay to like, look at your Instagram stories, Dak. Like, you know, I I just, I think that's just like such a a wildly absurd thing to bring up right now because it just doesn't really make any sense. Like we've gotten used to not paying for anything. Like there's things that you you can pay for. Like you can uh, like put your stuff on like a marketplace. Like for those types of different services, maybe if there's something in there where like pay to have access to XYZ, depending Uh on what, month that is i don't know but i just can't see myself being like yeah i'll, I'll pay 10 bucks a month to, to have instagram
1: i just think that's it just doesn't make any sense to me like why would we absolutely like we like you said since facebook joined in what 2004 so since then social media has been free so like to now start to like paywall aspects of it is just it's absurd to me so like and and here's the thing i don't think it's going to be like you can't access Twitter at all unless you pay. I think it's probably going to start with something very small. Uh, I don't even know what that would be, but like an example yeah. could even be you've hit your, maxima- your maximum amount of posts that you can see today, you know, pay to subscribe yeah, to, to yeah, limited right. or, or something like that, you know. But I think the only way that could ever possibly work is if every social media platform in the world was in the same uh, same camp. So if they all offer that at the same time, then it would be like, uh, okay, let me uh, let me look into this, you know. But if there's only one doing it, you're just gonna say, okay, fuck Twitter, jump to something else, or someone creates something else for free, you know.
0: Yeah. So here I'll, I'll throw this at you then. So yeah. what? If they, what if they said you can pay 10.99 per month to have access to all? Like, let's just use Facebook as an example, and I'm talking. Facebook, Instagram, all the different, like, properties that Facebook owns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 99, you don't see any ads. So no, I don't care. <laughs> what if, what if, you know what I mean? What if, what if that's their way in? Like, it's like yeah. Facebook premium is that you just pay to not see any
1: ads. Yeah. I, I, mean, would- I, I already, like, toned them out so much. I know I worked in advertising and I like advertising, but – when I'm when I'm browsing on social media, the last thing I want to see is an ad. So the second I see sponsored, I, I scroll even faster. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so it's, true. It's, it's nothing to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, I think that begs the question of uh, <sighs> advertising and social in general, which I think we could probably riff on an entire. <laughs> <episode>. <laughs> I, I'm just not the demo. Okay. Yeah, just, I just, I just feel like paying for for social media just seems so so like it seems absurd and stupid to me because it's like you're you're like to use your example and not saying that that's what it's going to be like you've hit x amount of pokes if you want to unlock more pay 10 bucks a month this is like (laughs) like, i'm not paying like 10 more dollars so i can see this person's lunch like you know what i mean like that that, it doesn't like provide a little bit more incentive for me to want to do something but uh i i do not see myself doing it yeah <laughs> um, so let's get into our last topic here i think this is kind of a, a bit of a let's change gears nba is back we always talk about the nba we love yeah, yeah. you We're on the mad mix the bubble is kind of strange uh have you been watching any games at all
1: it's uh so it was strange at first but it kind of feels like 2k in a way you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, just the way it is visually. Some of the camera angles are really like interesting now too. Uh, Obviously, there's no fans, so yeah. To me, it feels almost almost like an open practice kind of like two K setup. But um, yeah, one thing that I that I think
0: that the NBA is doing really well, and like maybe before we get into that, let's talk about like the arena experience in general, right? I think Mm -hmm. owners of teams right now are probably at a bit of a oh shit kind of moment because they probably won't be allowing people back into arenas. And even if they are allowed in, like, I don't know how many people are like going to go to games, but like, basically there's like this massive like property that is potentially going to be unused for the next six or seven months. You know what I mean? Or potentially
1: they're like original stadiums. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. What happened there? I'm wondering I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, so it's like, "What do you do with these with
0: these spaces, right?" And I think, you know, they're gonna be there's gonna be a lot of challenges, you know, that they're gonna have to face in the next little bit because what do you do with the the in arena experience? I think that they, they, what the NBA has done is kind of interesting, and in that they're allowing like virtual fans to go to games, Genius. like, like yeah, sign up for a game, and then you can see yourself on TV um just like from your computer like in the background of one of the games i think yeah. that's really really cool thing and it's in the same like line as like the Fortnite travis Scott concert like oh, that was yeah, yeah. Years Ago, you know what i mean like a virtual experience can sometimes make you feel like you're more connected to the game like if i had of course if i had like four sides to the Raptors game like there's it's hard to beat that right but like not everyone gets to access that kind of stuff yeah but if you're a virtual fan you kind of feel like oh i'm on tv like and i'm watching the game like it just you just feel a little bit more connected i think it'd be a really interesting experience the moral of the story is i think it's going to be a lot of it's going to be tricky and there's going to be a lot of innovation needed in 2021, depending on what the regulations are like, to account for bigger vena spaces that don't really have that many people in them.
1: Yeah, that's like, that's such a, yeah, something I never even thought about that really needs to be considered. is, like, what's happening with Scotiabank Arena right now?
0: Yeah, you man. I, mean, like, I think, I think the NHL playoffs are happening there right now. So, like, there's like, uh, I think like hub cities where like, yeah. Well, every NHL team in a certain conference is playing here in Toronto right now. Oh, okay, okay gotcha. The, the arenas in, like, Calgary, you think of the ones in, in Montreal, you think of the ones in Vancouver, even a lot of places in the States, like, the, the ones that maybe not a lot of, um, that won't be selected for, like, uh, like, hub cities kind of thing, like, the, the Pittsburgh, or a Minnesota, or, like, just, like, mm-hmm. these, like, maybe random probably isn't the right word, but, you know, like non-typical or non-super popular sports franchise, and not to say Pittsburgh, wouldn't be. But it's just kind of interesting what they're going to do with that space. Like, how do you you overcome this? I think the Uh virtual fan experience is something that would be really interesting. Like, maybe when the NBA, you know, sort of goes back to normal um, and, like, teams are actually playing in their home arenas now, maybe they're like that virtual fan experience will continue to carry on. And maybe we can sit, you know, courtside at Scotia uh, Scotiabank center place, whatever it's called and be a virtual fan. I think that there are things that little things that they can do and they'll need to start thinking about and probably already have started thinking about how consumers can be a little bit more engaged. And I think it opens up a really good opportunity for people who can't spend a lot of money on courtside seats or front row seats at like a, at a hockey game or a basketball game or something like that to allow them to, to sort of get that same experience. Um, and sort of like, you know, even the playing field a little bit, it'll be interesting.
1: I definitely think that was a genius idea. I remember seeing the concept on Twitter a couple of months ago and I was like, Yo, that is, like, whoever thought of that, very smart. I would have never even thought to do something like that. Yeah, it, it's weird because even in terms of when the NBA would be, like, back to normal, I think would be a very long time and until there's, like, a vaccine because mm-hmm. the way it works now in the bubble is that no one can come in and no one can leave, and that's how they can secure the safety of, of everyone. When people right. start going back to their own cities and playing in their own arenas, then that gets tricky because it's, like, you don't know where this player went this one day, you don't know mm-hmm. – Uh, Who came in and it's just, it creates a whole world of problems. So I really commend the NBA for how they've been able to figure this out and and implement this like bubble situation. It's like, it's a textbook genius, in my opinion.
0: They're leaders, man. They're leaders in the, uh, you know, North American sports. Um it's just, it, it's really interesting. And, like, it's kind of jokes. And, like, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Like, imagine, like, I saw, uh, like, Lil Wayne was, like, a virtual fan at the yeah. Lakers play the other day. Like, imagine, like, sitting beside Lil Wayne watching, like, the Lakers play. Like, that would just be kind of, like, a jokes, cool experience. Like, imagine being that guy or that kid, like, sitting next to a celebrity at a game. Virtually? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of cool, but anyways, uh, that was episode 15. Uh, that was a really great discussion. Yeah, I feel like when we go on we, we riff, like we go back to riffing on uh, a a bunch of different topics. It's kind of
1: nice. Yeah. The essence of the Mad Next podcast. Not to say we don't like the guests, obviously that creates a new perspective, but we kind of have two shows, you know, one where it's like me and you, and then one when we have, we have guests that we can kind of discuss with and lean on yeah 100 percent. and i think you know for the
0: listeners out there we'll be uh, we're pushing to get more great guest content uh, out there we're getting more people you know who want to be on the show a lot of new topics a lot of new perspectives so just stay tuned obviously and this is uh episode 15 of the bad mix podcast
1: hope you enjoy peace